بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا مريرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وصحبه وسلم ان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار my dear respected brothers sisters elders This is the second part of the series of khutab which I started last week called Become a Standard Bearer of Islam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu gave us a purpose of existence which is given to the highest in any society. That is to guide and show the way. This is the purpose that we inherited by being the followers of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam to give to the world to give mankind a standard by which to live to give it not by talking about it but by living it ourselves and demonstrating it as rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did a standard is something to aspire to to aim to reach to benchmark and measure yourself against to see if you can meet it a standard is a flag high and alone on its staff establishing its presence a symbol of great thoughts and ideas a guide to the lost a standard is the flag which represents a nation a symbol of respect a standard is called a standard because it stands out The same flag drying on a clothes line is laundry. A flag flying high on its mast is saluted. A standard bearer is the one who carries that flag. In the days of medieval warfare, the standard bearer would carry the battle standard around which the troops would rally. As long as they saw their flag flying, their morale remained high. If the flag fell, it would demoralize the soldiers the standard bearer would not be armed his only job was to keep the flag flying as the battle wore on his comrade would surround him and protect him from the enemy on the other hand the standard bearer would become the focus of attack of the enemy because if they could cut him down it would have a far bigger demoralizing effect on the army than the death of any other soldier and would be a great victory for the enemy 
The standard bearer was the rallying point of the army, the symbol of the nation. The standard bearer was not any ordinary soldier. To relate that to our lives today as Muslims, living in a world that seems to be rushing headlong towards moral and ethical destruction, the term standard bearer has special relevance. A standard bearer of Islam, therefore, is the embodiment of the Islamic way. The person is a walking, talking, living model of the beauty of Islam, completely obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. A standard bearer of Islam is someone who you would point to if someone asked you who is a Muslim. A standard bearer of Islam would be confident of himself and herself not apologetic. He or she would stand out from the crowd, not blend in. He or she would be proud of their Islam and practice it joyfully and joyously as a matter of choice. Islam to the standard bearer would be the primary focus, the criterion of every decision, the basis of their identity and definition. A standard bearer would differentiate based on Islam and Islam would be their brand and their signature. A standard bearer is someone who would consider their Islam to be the greatest gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and consider it a privilege to be its standard bearer, which they would not exchange for all the gold in the world. A standard bearer of Islam would understand that being a standard bearer is sometimes a lonely job and would be ready for it and be proud of it. After all, it is the ideology behind the flag that converts a piece of cloth into a symbol that is saluted. What does it take to become a standard bearer of Islam? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jala jalaluhu said about the first standard bearer of Islam, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُوا اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرَةِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalaluhu said about the first standard bearer of Islam, Indeed, in the messenger of Allah jalla jalaluhu, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you have a good example, the best example to follow for the one who hopes in the meeting with Allah and hopes for the last day and remembers Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a great deal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be a living model of his message, to demonstrate Islam in practice in every aspect of life. And therefore, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quoted the whole life of Rasulullah sallallahu as an example for us to follow and related that to our meeting with him on the day of judgment. An example is meant to be followed and be handed down from generation to generation. That standard was exemplified by Rasulullah and his Sahaba, his companions, wherever, who were the standard bearers and who carried this standard with them wherever they went and practiced it in societies where they stood out as strangers because their way was strange to that society. Strange in the way that the one who stands up for justice looks strange in a land where oppression is the way of life. Strange in the way 
the one who is modest and dignified looks strange among a collection of people intoxicated with self-indulgent shamelessness. Strange in the way that honesty and integrity look strange amidst corruption and lies. But it is this very strangeness that caused people to stop and look, to compare themselves to the strangers, to consider their own lives and the bankruptcy of values and ethics and morals that they were immersed in and to decide to change. Islam, Islam did not spread because the Sahaba became like everyone else. Islam spread because the Sahaba stood out. Islam spread because it was strange. And that is why Rasulullah said in the famous hadith in Ibn Majah, Bada al-Islam gariban wa sayaudu gariban kama bada fatuba lil-ghuraba. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Islam started as something strange and it will return to being seen as something strange and give glad tidings of Jannah to the strangers. <coughs> Islam spread because of the strangers. Now there are four steps to becoming the standard bearer of Islam. Number one is the niyyah, the intention, making a conscious sincere intention to be a standard bearer of Islam. Number two is ta'alluq ma'allah, to build a connection and strengthen the connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number three is tarbiyah. It's our changing ourselves, thoughtful upbringing. And the four is ihsan, excellence in everything that we do. We start with the niyyah and we start with the hadith of Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu who quoted from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam innama al-amalu bin niyat Rasulullah sallallahu said he said I heard Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying actions are but by intentions and every person shall have only that which they intended thus he whose migration and he's talking here about the hijrah from Makkah to Medina was for Allah and his messenger then his migration was for Allah and his messenger. And he whose migration was for some worldly benefit or to marry some woman, his migration was for that which he migrated for. And this is the first hadith in Bukhari and Muslim and Sahih Hadith. <coughs> Choosing to become a standard bearer of Islam starts allegorically speaking in a small, quiet, dark room and making a conscious intention because it's a very serious business. I don't mean the small dark room literally, I mean hypothetically, allegorically as an example, meaning sitting down by yourself without any distractions and consciously making the intention that from that moment onwards, you and I want to live our lives for Allah alone. It begins by reflecting on our life and how we lived it until now and choosing to change course and live it so that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with us. It's not simply a matter of saying, I want to change my life. What about your life do you want to change? Specifically, you have to get down and drill down to that. And say specifically, these are the things I need to change. And if there are 23 of them, you start with 3 of them. Leave the other 20, finish those 3, then go to the next 3. It's a lifestyle choice that we need to make which may seem difficult, 
but it is critical if we want to change our akhirah, if we want to change our destination in the hereafter. We choose to change because we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we love his messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Making a conscious intention to become a standard bearer of Islam means transforming our lives. It means deciding to change our way of thinking and seeing and living and speaking and acting and being satisfied. It means to change, the, change those things which give us happiness. It changes the way we look at life and what we are happy about and what we aspire to and what we stay away from and what we stand up for irrespective of how inconvenient or painful this may prove to be. It means changing our standards our role models, our icons, who we like and who we don't, and the reasons for both. Choosing to be a standard bearer of Islam means not only changing behavior, but going deeper than that to the ethics and morals and values and beliefs and attitudes and desires that the behavior emanates from. Yet the person who is conscious of the value of being a standard bearer of Islam chooses this path not despite its difficulty but because of it. He does it for the same reason that a person chooses to climb Mount Everest, not because of the ease or difficulty of the climb, but for the satisfaction of reaching the top, a place where only the best can hope to reach. So we begin with the intention and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his help. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept anything that is impure. So the purity of the intention must also be examined. What is the intention for? Is it to please Allah alone or is it for worldly gain and name and fame and money or popularity? During this reflection and consciously making the niyyah, we must not forget to examine our niyyah for ikhlas, to examine our intention for sincerity, not once, over and over. Sincerity in the desire to please Allah alone. If this is missing, then the whole exercise is futile. So one must constantly monitor the niyyah, constantly monitor the ikhlas. It's important to remember that making this niyyah, making the intention is not a one-time thing. This intention must be consciously made and constantly renewed, examined for sincerity and re-examined again and again. It's like going into a crowded fairground with a lot of money in our pocket. If we want the money to be safe from pickpockets, we will consciously and continuously check to make sure that it hasn't been stolen. The biggest pickpocket of niya, of intention, of the sincerity of intention is shaitan. And so one must always be aware of this and guard against him and not allow the slightest riya, the slightest ostentation, the slightest showing off from creeping into Alhamdulillahi <laughs> قَالَ تَعَالَىٰ إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُسَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد 
كما باركت على ابراهيم وعلى ال ابراهيم انك حميد مجيد when i think about the issue of the niya the intention and being continuously aware of that and continuously correcting it the most famous story from the sira which i remember is the story of sayyidina ali bin abi talib radhiyallahu anhu in one of the battles in khaybar sayyidina ali was fighting an enemy and he threw the enemy down on the ground and he was sitting astride across his chest and he had his sword up to take the enemy's head off when this enemy spat in his face as soon as the man spat in his face sayyidina ali left him and got up now this man was astonished he was he knew he was going to be killed i mean there's no way that he was he would escape he was astonished so he stood up he said why did you leave me he said because until i was until you spat in my face i was fighting you for the sake of allah but when you spat in my face i got angry because i got angry with being insulted by you spitting in my face so my intention changed then if i had killed you i would have killed you for myself he said i am not in the business of murder i don't kill anybody so i got up the man said this is your religion said and i said yes the man said ashhadu an la ilaha illallah ha wa ashhadu anna muhammadar rasulullah instantly in the battleground anybody who has done any martial arts of at any level you know that when you are fighting you are actually your mind your actions your your body memory the muscle memory is faster than the brain when you are when you are fighting you are not thinking and fighting the instant is re- completely reactionary and, and a, a martial arts expert is literally faster than a bullet kind of thing to be aware of your niya to be aware of your intention in that state and to monitor it and to guide your action imagine what kind of level of awareness of the heart and awareness of the taluq with allah which brings me to the second part which is taluq ma allah the connection with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and obviously it's not within the scope of this khutbah to go into the details of all that needs to be done to gain closeness to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and those who are interested i'm happy to sit with you later but briefly in order of priority there are four steps first one is tazkiyatun nafs purifying of the soul purifying of the heart the second one is shukr it is being thankful to allah subhanahu wa taala glorifying allah subhanahu wa taala and thanking allah subhanahu wa taala number 3 is kasratu sujood increasing the time we make sujda meaning more and more nawafil zuhud and that includes tila increase in tilawatul quran and increase in dhikrullah and number 4 is tarbiyatul akhlaq beautifying 
our manners. Think about this. What do you do if you have the best seed in the world? And you know that this seed is going to give you, is capable of giving you 10 times the harvest of any other seed. <clears throat> the first thing any farmer will do is to prepare the soil. Because you know, if you, if you plant the seed without preparing the soil, the seed will either die or it will, even if it germinates, it will not give you the yield that it can give you. So also with becoming a standard bearer of Islam. We must prepare the soil ourselves first. It's not about talking to people. It's not about so-called within quotes giving da'wah. It's definitely not about making speeches. It's about working on yourself. This preparation is the essence of Tazkiyatun Nafs, purification of the self, which makes the, the, the heart ready to receive the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Tazkiyah begins with tawbah, with repentance from all sin and disobedience, and returning to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, from whom shaitan had separated us. It, it consists of being genuinely contrite and repentant, genuinely regretful, making amends where this may be required, and not repeating those actions ever again. All change begins with accepting the need to change. Istighfar and tawbah is that acceptance and it is critical to success. Tazkiyah also consists of tahara, of purification of one's body and clothes and home and friends list, purification of what we eat and how we earn, purification of one's life from all impurity and disobedience. We must make a detailed muhasiba, detailed account of our entire life to identify the impurities that it contains. Some may be physical, others mental and spiritual. Arrogance, race or caste pride, argumentativeness, rebelliousness, rigidity on own opinion, self, a sense of self-importance and even worse, self-righteousness. Seeking, seeking pleasure alone for the sake of pleasure, avoiding the pain of learning, unwillingness to accept our own mistakes, tendency to point out others' mistakes, looking down on others, a high opinion about our own knowledge or ability and a lack of respect for others, and many more are all illnesses of the self which must be cured. Each must be addressed individually and worked on to eliminate. Still others may be with respect to people, unsuitable friends whose ideas, beliefs and attitudes do not match with our intention to become standard bearers of Islam. Such people are an impediment to our own growth and will inhibit our connection with Allah. Don't even fall into the trap of saying I am with them to correct them. You won't correct them, they will correct you in their way. It is essential to clean all impurities from our lives. What we eat, what we earn, how we earn, what we spend, what we wear, see, read, listen, speak, live or live with must connect with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pure and likes only what is pure. Allahu jamilun wa hubbul jamal. Finally, glorifying and thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Shukr. 
it is essential to develop the habit to constantly thank Allah and glorify Him as it is His right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised to increase His bounty if we thank Him for what He has given us. And so thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is critical for anyone who wants to be close to Him. Learning to see the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in His creation increases our iman and yaqeen and enables us to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In today's world, given our scientific development and tools, it becomes ever easier to see the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's creation and to praise Allah. His greatness provided, of course, that we learn to recognize Allah. This love makes it easy to obey Him, Jalla Jalaluhu, because we want to please the one we love. He is the only one worth pleasing. We only have to look around and within ourselves and all that Allah has created and blessed us with to simply spend the rest of our days in sujood. The problem is, my brother and sister, that we have become conditioned to taking Allah's blessings for granted and ignoring them until they are taken away. And only then do we become aware of what we lost. How many of us, for example, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for painless joints which enable us to perform salah in the right manner without pain? How many of us thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for good eyesight which enables us to read with our glasses? I could go on endlessly but I believe the point is made. We need to live thoughtfully and consciously and count the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thank Him and glorify Him for His majesty and grace and magnificence. Let us start a new habit starting from today of praying tahajjud every day and thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala specifically for one blessing, only one, every day in tahajjud. Even if you pray only two rakat, pray two rakat, and in sujood, thank Allah for one blessing, every day, not, not two, one blessing, inshallah. Mustahid inshallah, I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ease our paths to Him and to accept our efforts in His way. ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الابرار لا اله الا انت سبحانك اننا كنا من الظالمين رب اغفر وارحم وانت خير الراحمين الحمد لله رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يامر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيذكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيم السلام